Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton. Sometimes adversity uh, can serve up great blessings. Uh, in the past 18 months, I think we can all agree we've suffered some adversity. Uh, we've had a presidential election that many of us feel was rigged. Uh, COVID-19 and the economic and most importantly, the human cost of government mandated lockdowns. A President Biden, who's now governing to the left of uh, Bernie Sanders and AOC's wildest dreams. And major corporations joining the fray and becoming increasingly woke and weighing in on, on social and political issues on behalf of the Democrat Party. And of course, we're seeing a continuing ramping up of social media censorship of uh, conservatives, including banning President Trump from both Twitter and now Facebook reaffirming its ban of, of Trump just, uh, just this week. Uh, I could go on. <laughs> But I want to get to the blessings part uh, of my opening. Uh, it was just almost two years ago that I first had Matt and Mercy Schlapp here on the show as guests. And, and since then, we've become great friends. And what a blessing that's been. Uh, Mercy was communications director, director of communications strategy for the Trump-Pence re-election campaign. And Matt is chairman and uh, uh, CEO of the American Conservative Union and sponsor of CPAC. Matt, Mercy, welcome. It's great to be home. Know, it is great right? to be together. Of course, we know each other pretty well now. It's been an interesting two years. Uh, we found ourselves locked down at our places in Rappahannock uh, during the uh, Rappahannock County, Virginia, during the, the uh, pandemic. To be accurate, we're in Madison. I was going to say, yeah, you're in Rappahannock. We're in, we're in, in Madison. Madison. And, and I think, you know, we're more of the heart of, of Virginia countryside rather than Rappahannock. Um, I happen to agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're a very complicated county it's in Rappahannock. It's a Rappahannock. complicated county, but you have a wonderful Catholic <laughs> church out there. That's that's St. Sure. Peter's. Yeah, Completely you guys go to that. packed from day, yeah. day one since the lockdown. Well, what did we do during the lockdown? We formed the quarantine club. We did. We did. And during the, you know, during that time, we, we learned a lot, bonded, uh, and, and began thinking about lines back, lines of action back. Of course, our last show, we were here talking about uh, how we might create a governing majority after Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, how are we doing? Things have changed so much in society. What's interesting is, is we were all having conversations about public policy. Isn't that interesting? Policies we would you know, like to implement. Now, it's like we have a rifle at the front door just trying to make sure that our family is safe. Uh, it's yeah. a really scary time. I think there's been so much change in society so fast that uh, these esoteric conversations are really not a part of what we talk about now. We talk about, you know, how will you raise kids? You know, what, what, how do you talk to them about gender and sex? What are they hearing uh, in school? Our schools, we have the luxury of picking the schools that our kids are in. A lot of people don't. There's complete chaos going on in society. So it's, 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 it's a hard, it's, for me, I'll speak personally, it's a hard time because people say, 
where you don't seem as happy as you usually are. It's like, well, you're not happy when you're well, seeing society being ripped apart. Yeah. 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 A grumpy Bill Walton and a grumpy matchlock, not a good combination no. in any way. <laughs> well, red wine helped. <laughs> Did help. I would agree. I Red would wine agree. and also, and, and, but also I would say the fellowship. I think coming together. Yes. I remember, it really mattered. Uh, Ava, we celebrated her tenth birthday. Think about it; it's been a year. When Ava went to, up to Sarah and said, "Can I celebrate my birthday here at your house?" Well, she didn't quite say it that way. In the first place, let me establish: you've got the five most beautiful, smart daughters I've ever met, and I sometimes think they take care of you. Yes, they um, do. It's a it's a wonderful family. But Ava came to Sarah. And she, you guys have been in the house a little bit. And then she said, well, I'm thinking about having a birthday oh, party. <laughs> and I think I want to have it at your house. <laughs> and we were thrilled. I have a better story. I hope Sarah's not going to be upset that I say it. But uh, Sarah's a, uh, Bill's wife is a wonderfully talented artist, as you can see from this room. And she has spectacular paintings throughout your house in Rappahannock, the lodge. And um, the kids were talking about which painting they would like to have. And I explained to them, that's not really how it works. They're Sarah's paintings. You know, they're not for sale and you don't get to take one. And our youngest one said, I really like that one, except for the boobies. So, you know. Well, we should get, the next time we'll do it with the painting. What she does is she does uh, her versions of old masters. And they're beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, Tiepolo and Klimt and all that. And, and yeah, there are a fair number of boobies in that. <laughs> there are a fair number. But it's all G-rated. It's all very careful. Uh, so how do we work ourselves out of this? Because you're right. It used to be we'd have political discussions. Now we're having, I mean, Breitbart tells us famously, culture's down, politics downstream from culture. We're really talking about a culture that seems to be uh, toxic. Well, I think what we're seeing in, even in where, in the, where we are in Madison County, we were just in Kansas uh, I've been in, we've been in Florida. We're traveling across the country, Bill. What we're finding is that Americans are tired and they're scared and they're concerned about the direction that this country's going in because what you're seeing is a small group of elites, whether it be corporations, or whether it be the Democrat leftist party dictating the terms. And so we're at a point of, of survival in our nation and they're saying, we're not going to let this country fall and they're willing to finally, I think, stand up and say uh, the leftists are going too far. And the question will be, can we get to the next election, to your point, get a governing majority to be able to just push back and make sure the dam doesn't break? Every authoritarian regime really comes in in a crooked fashion, either through propaganda, some emergency that people don't really understand. It gets mischaracterized by members of the media. So the idea... Think about if you're the Democrats and you know that you had to have thousands and thousands of illegal ballots that you knew once they were cast, put in those boxes, no Republican judge or any other judge would have the guts to scrutinize them. That means there's more of us than there are of them. They had to do that amount of illegal voting to win. That means they have to do that much more to win again. And in the meantime, half the country, roughly half, I think it's more than half, but roughly half of the country is uh, is really upset. You know, when, when Obama became president, that was upsetting because he was as radical as any Democrat president we had seen, even though he's, he didn't run that way. Yeah, he played. We talked about Obamacare and the fineries, and you did that in this house, the fineries of, yeah. you know, this policy or that policy. We're not talking about policy. No one's talking about public policy. We're talking about does the family unit exist? Does it have any rights? Mm -hmm. is, is, does public schooling ever open? 
And do they actually educate people or do they push a, a, a very dangerous ideology? Will there be any religious freedom, right? Will the government be able to mandate what chemicals you put into your body, what chemicals you don't put into your body? We are talking now very basic ideas of a free society. No longer does any of this have to do with the Constitution or public policy. Everything they are pushing is at odds with that history. Well, how do you explain, or let me change that around. One thing that upsets me a lot is how readily Americans let themselves get locked down mm -hmm. and how the churches didn't push back. And a lot of the other civic organizations, which we have supported, we really didn't get together to push back very effectively. Or, you know, some of us were outspoken. You were, I was. But uh, we, we haven't reopened the doors. I mean, you know, Montgomery County, Maryland, they're still making us wear masks to uh, play tennis indoors. Oh I mean, it, it, you know, it's crazy. And crazy. so we've got... And so well, by the way, that could probably legitimately kill you. <laughs> I mean, you know, you and I both play tennis. Like, you know, sometimes I'm yeah. huffing and puffing. <laughs> No, honey, you're huffing and puffing. That's without. I don't that know about question? Bill, but it's a matter of degree. Actually, what's so interesting about Matt, who played tennis ever since he was a young, a teenager, and everyone is always going, "Can he run fast on the court? He's really quick on the court. Like he can move around. I mean, he." There's just only so long that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what do we? Uh, I'm trying to look for a line of action here. So we've got, we, you know, it's, it's November 2020. Trump is not, Trump doesn't win, but we think he won. I mean, you were in Arizona. or Was it Nevada, Nevada where you yeah, were doing? We were the, both in Georgia. Yeah. What, what was your experience? What, tell us firsthand what was going on in Nevada. I'll summarize quickly. You know, when you go uh, from whatever percentage the norm was of mail-in ballots to roughly having 50%, Almost all these states, you know, there's a couple of states that are 100% mail-in ballots, but you went to up to 50% mail-in ballots. And at the same time, uh, through any, you know, through any kind of scientific norms, you had a certain percentage, something between 2 and 5% of ballots that go through the mail get kicked out for one reason or the other. You know, people vote who shouldn't vote. People don't sign it. Uh, somebody does ballot harvesting, so they might vote five or six times. This has always been a part of our elections. There's election fraud bill in every election, every important election, uh, forever. And so when the media told us, no, 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 election fraud isn't a thing, it's it. always been a thing. And this time it was worse because if you just take that simple fact alone, mushrooming of mail-in ballots up to 50%, sometimes over 50%, and no verification, essentially no verification, or signature checks. Now, you're a person of finance. You can do the math very quickly. When you lose a big state by 11,000, 30,000, 40,000, that alone would change the outcome of the state. There's no way that you could have more of something, right, in this case, mail-in ballots, and out of nowhere have 0% that are rendered to be uh, illegitimate. There's no way those two things are logical. That's not math. That's not science. So just to add to that, and let's remember that the goal of those in the liberal media anyone who would even bring up the question of election fraud or voting irregularity. Well, it was all about destroying their reputation, which is the goal that they tried to do with, I know, with you, with Rick Grinnell and several others. When we were in Georgia, Bill, we met with the lawyers, very impressive lawyers. With Mike, with, with Senator, Senator Mike Lee. Mike yeah. Lee and his wife. And they showed us, based on independent data analysis, that about 18,000 of those ballots were names that when you match them to an address, that address was a vacant lot. Under election code in Georgia, 
Those should have never been counted. They were counted. And if I can recall, Trump lost by about 14,000 votes in Georgia. Yet, we're not allowed to talk about it. Well, they'd argue that the vacant lot was for the homeless people that right. they put there. Um, but let me try a theory out on you. You were in the campaign, and I know you, I don't know how much you can talk about it, but there are a lot of us who felt like you could see the Democrats taking advantage of the COVID lockdown, the fact that we were going to have to have millions, billions of mail-in ballots, which lends itself to fraud anywhere and any time. And they also had an army of lawyers out in each of these battleground states, Pennsylvania being notable, where they started changing the rules right. that would favor them. And I remember a year ago, six months before the election, seven, eight months before the election, we met with some of the people in the campaign and said, look, guys, we got to lawyer up because they're they're hitting the ground now and, and they're doing things that we got to be mindful so we're ready to go when this stuff happens. Uh, and we didn't have our Jim Baker to, to, to quarterback this thing. And I don't I think the campaign really underestimated and kind of dissed us almost to say, what what do you got what are you talking about? And, and the and RNC. The, yeah. the RNC well, especially maybe the RNC. The RNC and the very election campaign are like the twin towers of disaster when it came to being legally prepared for this fight, which we could all see was coming. And remember, like we also worked during the George W. Bush two thousand um reelect. You were part of we were both part of the recount. And that was the one thing they got right. They were ready with that James Baker moment. They were ready with a strong legal team. They were flying out people early on to make sure that we were ready for these recounts. I have to say, when I approach certain members of our campaign leadership about, well, what do you need? Because we know these recounts are going to happen. You need a comms person, a political person, and a legal person that we have it under control. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, it was disastrous. The moment that night happened of the election, next day... Chaos. It was complete chaos in the campaign. They were not prepared. They ended up shifting people here and there to these different states who were not what I would say top election lawyers in any way. Great talent, not top election lawyers. And the, uh, the strategy of the Democrats was very clear. It was a centralized process under the leadership of Mark Elias that they, he would appear with his entourage in every single one of these potential hearings or cases yeah. and would knock the, everything uh, down. The judges were scared of them. The well, expert. You're watching the Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Mercy and Matt Schlapp, and we're talking about uh, the, the ugly truth about the election. We're talking about your favorite subject, lawyers. <laughs> you love lawyers. I know you love Every businessman loves lawyers. I know. But you know. But I, I, actually, I don't. I, I know. <laughs> but I know one thing about Bill and Sarah Walton, that if you actually had a serious legal issue you're not going to go pull some nice you get, you lawyer, get, you out get a of lawyer up you got to spend some real money right so yeah. what do the democrats do they have a firm perkins cooey it's the firm that runs all their dirty deals including the russian dossier and all that stuff about russian collusion that was all well lawyered and it was all done in a sophisticated fashion of course it was all lies and then the same thing happened in the, these the, these elections bill they argued States' rights, they argued the Constitution mandates that we do it this way. They took any argument they needed to with the highest priced lawyers in the land, and they either changed laws, they worked around laws, and finally what they did, which was so brilliant, is they knew that there was such pandemic panic coming from all media quarters that they concocted this idea. First of all, they, know, they knew the left was actually scared. A lot of people actually are scared of dying of Chinese Corona. So they knew they wanted to vote by mail. And then they knew that if they could just get, this was the fatal 
mistake that we didn't do something about, which is as soon as they could mail ballots to people who never requested them from lists that were dirty, imperfect, disastrous, really, and do that multiple times, which some of these jurisdictions did. And then if the organized left could then find out where those ballots were mailed, including vacant lots and apartments, and they could fill them in with no consequence, and there was no consequence. And no verification. But, but, but this is the big, there's a bigger, the bigger thing here is that we're not allowed to debate this. Yeah, this talk is, about this it. has been shut down. I mean, there, this, this was shunted from the public square instantly. I mean, really within days of the election, all of a sudden you weren't supposed to, everybody closed ranks. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, of course it was fine. And this kind of discussion was not, well, you, I kept you, you weren't allowed to it. talk about no, it on you, social media. I kept talk talking about it, just like we did the same thing when it came to the Black Lives Matter protests, when people would say, well, it's strange, there's all these protests in these cities, all with people labeled in Black Lives Matter gear, but we weren't allowed to talk about that, right? That was the first thing in this country we weren't allowed to talk about. And the second thing we weren't allowed to talk about was all these illegal voting schemes that were going on across the country. And, uh, and now we're not allowed to say that... Uh, comparing one protest at the Capitol to the protests that have gone around around the city. By the way, if you protested in these cities and burned down churches and prevented people from opening up their businesses, you might have been sprung out of jail by our current vice president. There's no real consequences for these things. But if you had any involvement in the Capitol riot, you're probably still in jail. Now, it, well, they're both wrong. And we should treat the wrongdoers equally. And what's happening, whether you take all of these investigations on the Trump administration, anybody who worked for the Trump administration, we now have very clearly a First Amendment for two sets of people. One is allowed to talk, one isn't. We have a judicial system for two sets of people. Only Republicans and conservatives go to jail. The other ones, they seem to get book contracts and they sit on corporate boards. And this has to end. Yeah, talk to Josh Hawley about book contracts. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it Although is. his book is now a bestseller. When, when, when conservatives get a chance to write and talk, it's amazing how popular they are. Well, you know, I had a, I had a show with uh, Jay Richards on COVID. The other thing you're not allowed to talk about is the, is yeah. the science. The, oh, the fact that I forgot were, that one. Yeah, you, you remember that was number three yeah. on the list. And we were talking about masks. We we're talking about distancing. We we're talking about the statistics. And, you know, there's a lot of in, facts out there that make you believe that this, this certainly didn't warrant the lockdown. It may have been dangerous for some people, but it didn't warrant the draconian stuff we did. So I did a, we did a show on that. And then next thing I know that uh, YouTube's declared it doesn't meet community standards. That's right. And you know, Jay, Jay's a very kind of, he's a PhD, he's a, uh, we were talking science and not, not really red meat, gone, and that's still true. If you, they've got, what is it? Facebook has 40,000 people monitoring content and they're supposed to be ostensibly monitoring content for pornography, drugs, human trafficking, things that you want them to monitor. But they've morphed that thing to something where, you know, that, that kind of offensive behavior is lumped in with political speech. You know, the first controversy around these big social media companies was Facebook's what they call throttling on their newsfeed of CPAC several years ago. That's right. And that we found out after the fact that this had happened. And then Facebook, who has a fair number of Republicans working for him, invited me to go have a meeting with Mark Zuckerberg, with Tucker Carlson, and a bunch of other people. And we said no at that point, because you could see the fix was in. They were going to charm everyone into thinking that this was a safe place for everybody. They just needed a couple more years, Bill. 
to get to the point where they could get into the censoring business. And, you know, they, they played sweet music and every, most people kind of went along with it. And it's a, it's, it, 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 to me, it's fraudulent to say that this is a safe place for people when really it's only one side, the most radical left voices that they want to uh, allow to speak. Yeah, and James O'Keefe was permanently banned from Twitter because he exposed CNN, because he put out these videos. And, it, and it, it, there's no logic to it. It's all about if there's anything that in any way is critical of liberal media, any way critical of, of COVID being, you know, of, of, of critical of the CDC, those are the people getting censored. And I think the CDC has a lot of explaining to do. They keep right. shifting their message. And I think it's caused huge confusion amongst the American people. Well, CDC, yeah, that's, don't get me started. Uh, one of the things I like about both of you is that you both don't sit and wring your hands. You develop a line of action. And I like that because as a business guy, that's, that's what I like to do. The network that you're creating, the ACU network, what's that, what's that about? I guess the show, we're now going to be adding the show to, to your lineup. But yeah. We're going to be offering different aspects of, uh, of the truth. It's like a lot of business deals. I don't know if we're taking your, you over or you're taking us over. <laughs> but it's something like that. Maybe we're just going to work together. But tell, well, tell them about sure. what we're doing. Well, I, you, you know, know we, we tried things out for a year during the quarantine. We're, we're okay. We're, we're you cool. all know we're, who's we're, in charge. <laughs> it's me. You. That's right. We know that. Sarah, We've established that. That's La right. Jefe Grande. Well, just, we I may say, before we sit down here, I'm starting to say, well, now, what we want to talk about today? And, and Mercy says, okay, we're going to talk about this. <laughs> And this and this. I can't help myself. Okay, I've got my hands folded. Go ahead. No, Tell no, us. no. Uh, but we were. What we discovered is obviously following the election is a lot of people turned off what you would say traditional media outlets. They were tired. And we all did. We're tired of the same old boring news, and we really felt that there was a hunger for new, fresh content, different news analysis, and really bringing in the top newsmakers and the best guests to talk about. The politics of the day, but also talk about this, the, the cultural issues, uh, this, the issues impacting our society and our globe. And so that's when we decided to launch uh, CPAC Now. We did America Uncanceled, named after our, uh, our conference, our very successful conference in February. What we discovered is just alone there was 31 million people who watched CPAC. So we're going, yes, there's a huge audience. Okay, let me just interrupt there. 31 yeah. million people watch Donald Trump at CPAC, watch the CPAC content. The Academy Awards just got less than 10 million. Right. The Grammys, I think, got less than 8 million. All this coverage about the Grammys and the Oscars, the CPAC crowd dominated that. Right. We are, there's a lot of eyeballs in not just the conservative community, but in the community of people that believe in these societal norms that make up this beautiful country we call America. They're not just conservatives. And I know, Bill, you were working on your, you have, you had launched your show for over yeah. a year. Yeah. And we just felt that you, it would be such a compliment to the work that we're doing. Uh, we're on Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays at 7 p.m. live, but people catch it all the time when they replay, replay it. They can click on conservative.org. And we have a huge audience. We're reaching about 500,000 people a week. And we know that this is only going to grow. And when we talked to you, we thought, he's got this fabulous product. It, 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 you really, it's evergreen. It's with brilliant, brilliant uh, individuals from on a variety of topics that you really dig into these issues. And so at that point, that's when we thought we want the Bill Walton show on CPAC now. We, uh, we're, all, you, we're all three of us bedrock on the same principles, exactly the same thing. I, my, my, 
you got to play to your strengths. And my strength is as an investment guy, I used to get into deep into companies' investments to figure out what was working, what wasn't working. I like to do that. The, the, the same thing with our issues. Mm -hmm. And but I also like to get at some fundamentals. Like we did a show last week, which was fun, on the Bard and the Bible, which was Shakespeare and the Bible. And you know, Shakespeare is banned from a lot of schools now. Being cut. Now, all of us had a hard time reading Shakespeare when we no, were kids. I'll, I'll raise my <laughs> hand. But there's a lot of good stuff. I got there. to know this guy. His name was Cliff Notes. And he really <laughs> helped me out with Shakespeare. You know what's yeah. shocking? is like even the kids today don't even know Cliff Notes. Sometimes they have no I'm idea. Like, you know, Their I'm whole like, life is Cliff Notes, like, sweetie. They don't need the Cliff Notes. Note. And they're like, what's Cliff Notes? I'm like, how do you not know Cliff Notes? Well, anyway, there's a need for it. And then we've got some other people we want to bring on with other shows that we're going to try to put together a mosaic of the different ways to go at that. And essentially, what I'm trying to do is give people arguments that they can make and, and also persuadables. I mean, there, there's so many people. If you self-identify as a conservative, they just look like this. But if you say, wait a second, if you looked at this fact or that item or how this, how this policy affects you, and very often they find out that the liberal policies, they're not going to win from that. They're going to get hurt by it. Right. In fact, I, I think we're in the human flourishing business. I think, I think our ideas... Uh, they're, they're based on true things, they work, they're moral, and they make people happy. And if you look at the left's ideas, they're not based on true things. I mean, if you read, for example, Das Kapital or whatever, was what it, uh, Communist Manifesto of Marx, it's practically, it, it's astonishing how almost funny it is because he doesn't know anything. So it's based on, not based on true things, it, it, and it, it's not moral because of the, the way they want to take from other people. I've sometimes think the, the less principles are based on the seven deadly sins, you know, envy, and uh, <laughs> that'll really get me in trouble. Where's YouTube now? I'll, uh... Wait, let me tell you, let me, let me jump in on this question of morality, because it's very ever-present around us, because we've always kind of wanted as conservatives, as Republicans, as libertarians, as free market people, it's like this whole idea of morality and politics has always been this interesting thing. Do we really want to bring too much morality? Is all of it about morality? But what we're really in these kind of like, what we're, what we're dealing with in these terribly chaotic times is what you realize about God's love for us, which is demonstrated through this concept of morality, is to find flourishing, is to be joyful, is to be happy. Joyful, not like running around singing and dancing, but joyful that you have contentment in your soul. And what you realize about the socialism that's gripping America, Marxism, to be more accurate, is there's no happy Marxist. Yeah. By the way, everyone's fleeing San Francisco and L.A. and New York, and they're running as fast as they can to go to Texas and to go to Tennessee and well, to go to well, Florida. Well, that's fine. That's fine as long as they don't vote. Well, I think we're having a great <laughs> shift. Yeah, I, I think, think look, I'm going to be the contrarian on this. Yeah. Okay. I think a lot of people who bought into this idea that the government was going to solve all their problems and everything else. I think if they have any practical existence, and some people don't, but most people do, if you have any practical existence, you're in business, you're raising kids, whatever that practical thing is, it's not working in these blue cities. They are broken cities and broken And I think states. we need to do a better job. Oh, you're watching the Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Matt and Mercy Schlapp, and we're talking about the absolute necessity to make moral arguments, um, not just political arguments, and also talk about what makes people happy in their lives as opposed to, uh, you know, the next great program. Anyway, Matt, continue. I mean, Donald Trump is a perfect <clears throat> example. Everyone can have their own. It's a great drinking game for everyone to do the put Donald Trump on the couch and try to psychoanalyze him. But you know what he is, and you know this because you worked with him. 
He's a very, very energy-filled, joyful. He's a optimistic guy who's always going for it. And now, you know what's so there's a reason for that. Yeah, and what's so interesting is he really did try to make it work with Speaker Nancy Pelosi. I remember when now that's early optimistic. on. But here's the deal: like, <laughs> remember, like he comes from New York. He's a businessman. He deals with dem he doesn't deal with the political types, right? Like in the sense of it's not a Democrat, it's not a Republican. I just want and to get he, the and job he was done. And a maxed out donor to so her. Remember, really, she cast all his yes, checks. Yes, and it really pissed him off when Nancy would, you know, attack him because he's like, wait a second, like we can work on stuff together. And she and but she had her political hat on. She wasn't going to budge in budge to help the president. The same thing with Mitch McConnell. He really tried to build these relationships on both sides of the aisle, and many times he got burned. And I think that that really, uh, it, it said a lot to him of how, um, how, how, how gross the politics is in, in, here in D.C. Yeah, let me just jump in there a bit, Romney. I remember saying to him at CPAC, this is a confidential conversation, I don't think he'd be mad at me for saying this, but we're backstage and we were talking about Mitt Romney one of these years, and he, I said, sir, you're, you're, you, you'll be sorry that you've endorsed Mitt Romney in the Senate yeah. primary and he's going to bite the hand, right, that feeds him. And he goes, yeah, but you know what? We're going to give it a shot. And it really is this it approach is on a lot of these things, you yeah. know? Give it a shot. Like, yeah. maybe it'll yeah, turn out. That's a, yeah, I love that if approach. I can, if I may, Bill, I think one of the, you, we're talking about morality, we're talking about conservatism. It's freedom. It's the freedom, free spirit, the free individual, the free society, the ability to speak freely, the ability to worship freely. That is the fight. That is the ultimate fight in our country. And on the one hand, we have freedom. On the other hand, we have coercion, independence. That's right. And, and control. And, and, and dependency. Well, coercion is my yeah. big word for control. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a better word. It's, it's yeah, a it better word. I love that. It's it a really neat. That's a yeah. And the leftists, their approach is threatening. They want to threaten. They want to cause fear. They want to make you feel little. And that is what we have to fight against. And this is why I think we're seeing... Parents who were never politically yeah. involved speak up. I think we're seeing uh, conservatives who were afraid to speak up before saying no more. I'm not going to play with this all these diversity games that they're they're trying to push us into this corner. And I, and so I think that we are getting woke as well on the. For conservative people who don't side. know your background, your family's from Cuba. That's right. And your father went to jail for trying to get rid of Castro. That is correct. Yes. For six years, and you know, again, he was someone who had tr tr building these successful businesses in Cuba. Cuba came from nothing, and then he saw everything being taken away, full control of the government, no ability to speak, no ability to 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 live your life. And at that point, my father said, "I, I can't do this. Like we have to fight against this oppression. We have to fight against." This totalitarian government. Talk to anybody who's lived it or had a relative who lived it. They're appalled that we think this is something we ought to go towards. And can I tell you, Bill, I spoke with my dad uh, just this weekend. I was with him and I asked him his opinion. And he goes, it looks dark in America. And that is, it's hard. It's, wow, he said he that. He said that. He said, it looks dark in America. It is, we yeah. are going through a very difficult time. And he's concerned that we're too late to save America. But, and he's, I, but he's awfully proud of you. But we're and but we're we have to stay optimistic and hopeful. We can't give up. This is not the moment to give up. Give up. This is the moment to bring about change in your community, in your town, in your city.
that you speak up and make a difference and fight back against critical race theory and fight back about all this craziness on gender identity, trying to tell children that are seven years old that they need to get hormone uh, treatments. Uh, it's insanity. And it is, and, and the left are there dominating the narrative, and we've got to change it. Let me veer back to something, because before we came on air, we said we're going to talk about 53,000 things in no particular order, but we <laughs> skipped over something, and I wanted to get at, at You two are both friends with Donald Trump, mm -hmm. and you, you've been talking with him all along. I mean, how do you feel about how he's feeling right now? We're, uh, I think he's doing great. I think he wasn't doing great when he came to CPAC. Uh, he probably wouldn't like me saying that because that was what last February, two? February, yeah, February in, in Orlando. Yeah. We yeah. couldn't have it. We couldn't yeah. have it in the swamp because Governor Hogan said it would be too unsafe to have it. So we went to Florida. We dealt with Governor DeSantis and Donald Trump, of course, agreed to come. And and I think uh, it wasn't the same Donald Trump we were used to seeing. He wasn't quite as cocky. He wasn't quite as exuberant. Um, he seemed a little down. I, could, I don't blame him. I'd be very down. I'd probably still be down. But, uh, but we've had several interactions with him since at Mar-a-Lago, and uh, he really seems like his old self. He's, he's, in, he's figured out a way to be a former president, and unlike our other Republican former presidents who just drift off into the sidelines. And he, become Democrats. <laughs> fair enough. He is the, the most important political voice in our politics still today with something called the press release. He had to bring it back because they canceled him. So I think he's doing pretty well. Good. Yeah, and good. <laughs> but, you know, the big question will be, Bill, will he run again in 2024? And, you know, you hear such mixed responses. Those individuals are like, absolutely, he should run. He should grab DeSantis, make him his VP. And then there's other people that are saying, you know, we need to turn the page and find a new candidate. And I think that's going to be, you know, I keep saying, before we even talk about 2024, let's talk about 2022, win that majority in the House, win the Senate majority, and at least try to stop the Biden madness. I think it's going to happen. I think so, too. I've never seen this kind of turmoil out in a country like I see in our country. We're traveling a lot. Um, We've got a CPAC in Texas coming up. Pretty we soon, do. July you? 9th through 11th in Dallas, Texas, and everybody's welcome to come, and they should come. But the thing is, I'm, a, I'm on your board, so I know this, but other people don't know. This is not just an American phenomenon. This is a worldwide phenomenon. You've, you've, you said you've done... Uh, CPACs in Japan and people show with, with red mega caps. Yeah, it's true. We've had three CPACs in Tokyo. We've actually had more, but obviously with being online. Um, but we hope to get back in person and go to these countries. We've been to Japan. We've been to Brazil. We've been to Australia. We protested with the Hong Kong leaders uh, on the streets in Hong Kong. Veronica Birkenstock, one of our board members, went with us. Um, you know, We have something like 25 countries that want CPACs in their country. Uh, we're going to have our first CPAC, Israel. Um, you know, this is a this freedom movement that's going on that's around right. the country. Well, yeah, yeah, is that's real. why I'm excited about our network because we need to get the word out. People need to know that other people are feeling the same way. That's right. And and the rest of the and world. You're not, you look at local news, and you're just never going to learn what we're talking well, about. Well, and the rest and the rest of the world, they're looking at America because they're like, if America crumbles, what replaces it, Bill? It's China. Think yeah, about right. it. Think about the communist controlling the the world, the globe. And so they're looking at us saying they're self-destructing. And then you, I remember that exchange between the Biden administration and the Chinese basically saying, y'all are no Democrat, democratic system. Well, what are you all doing? It's, it's they know that we are in a very vulnerable state and the Chinese are just salivating, waiting 
for for us to implode. And I think that's where well, we have to unite as a as Republicans and conservatives to and, and push facts Amer against and the Americans. Marxists. Well, well, the thing, just Americans. Just Americans. The yes, thing that's is troubling right. is that yeah, I think in terms of enemy without, we've always had foreign policy. Yes. We've dealt with the Soviet yeah. Union, the evil empire, et cetera. We've had the enemy within. We had early on. We had communist and you know, FDR administration, but that was a tiny little thing. Now we've got China, which is easily the enemy without, and I think we're all beginning to recognize that. But we've also got a much, much, much more dangerous enemy within, and in some case, and that would be the social media companies, the the, the newly woke corporations, uh, academia, you know, the academia, mm -hmm. K twelve uh, teachers colleges. I mean the the teaching critical race theory, you teach that, you, you teach people that 1619 was the birth of America with the bringing of slavery, slaves to the country versus 776 where you've got, you know, the birth of democracy with the declaration and the constitution. It's, th those ideas really matter. And they I'm really worried, matter. and I think this is the reason I side with your father a little bit, it looks dark in America because Kids are not hearing the right ideas. They're not hearing the right history. We, we, our, one of our, our, our nine-year-old was playing a video game. They like started asking her questions about her sexuality to a nine-year-old. Um, I think that's pedophilia. I think that should be criminal. That's happening. Yeah. On, I mean, the, the way they're seeping in with this insanity, you sometimes call it a nihilism, Bill. Um, you know, just destruction. I like, I like five dollar word. Yeah, that's yes. a good word. It's a good. I wish we didn't have to. <laughs> now use my seventeen-year-old uses it all the time. Can I give a quick definition of a nihilist? Yeah. Yes, please. Somebody who wants to. Somebody who works at Facebook. <laughs> I don't know. I get that specific. I'm sure they're. <laughs> oh my God, we're going to get canceled. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Wait, we've already just been canceled. Just uh, yeah. Well, no, it's simply that you know Marxists have this pretension that they're going to build something where it's some heaven on earth. Nihilists just want to rip the thing down. That's yeah. right. They don't have any plan. That's right. And that what I see too often is people ripping things down, and you ask them, well, what do you want? Yeah. And they cannot tell you. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is what conservatives do, and I don't mean that in the political sense, but what people with enduring values do is they build things. What do you want to do? You want to, you, when you leave this earth, this mortal coil, yeah. you want to look back and say, I did these things. I built a family. I built a business. I did something in my community. But what you realize about the nihilists, the Marxists, is it's all about either destroying it or taking it over. When they take it over, they don't necessarily have a plan on what substitutes for Well, it's for pure it. power, Matthew. But, it's a thought but of they authoritarian take, power. Think about power. everything in society. Power. Everything. Yeah. Most mainline Protestant churches. You know, the Boy Scouts, the, you know, all the institutions in society that we just, as I was growing up, they were not political. They had a point of view and they weren't political. Yeah. They are now almost all infiltrated. We have two battles left. Professional sports, probably sports in general, and the C-suite, the CEOs and our major public corporations. We have lost all the other battles. Our tactics have stunk. Well, I think those we, I think those barbarians are already inside the gate. I You're agree. talking about boardrooms. But and, if we lose CEO these suites. two battles, Bill, you know this. Yeah. I don't know, you know, maybe we're going to have to live in those mountains permanently because I think it'll be uh, very dark to quote what your dad's saying. That being said, with what we are what we're seeing happen with the pushback. I saw someone on Twitter this morning. I was reading literally drinking my coffee. Borrowing our language with ACU, we're demanding that these CEOs change what they're saying that's wrong, that they agree to sit down with us and have a meeting, 
because we're representing half the country, we've already seen changes. I can't go into a lot of the details, but we're already seeing changes. Somebody mimicked our exact language, a mom or a dad out there in the country, and they went after this institution that was doing something wrong, and they said, we demand that you change what you're saying, which mm -hmm. is wrong, and that you sit down with us and talk. And I was like, we're waking, we're up, waking up again. Up. Yes. You're watching the Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Mercy and Matt Flapp, and we're talking about the uh, the need to fight back against the the relentless uh, d dismantling of our institutions. And I'm sitting here with two people who I think are going to make that happen. I think well, we, we can't do it alone. Well, I'll help. Yes. I'm going to do what I can. But, but the thing I admire about the two of you is you've paid a real personal price for this in this fight. I mean, Matt, you had a very successful business advising major corporations about how the world of, of Washington worked and, and the conservative world. And by you taking the stance you've taken, you paid the price with your with your business. It's true. No, it's true. It's been a little frightening. And I sometimes felt like I was being a bad father or a bad provider because, you know, you want to provide for your kids. Yeah. And the, what conservatives, unfortunately, how many conservatives work for these big companies? A lot. And they're in a terrible position. They're unhappy. They're morally conflicted. They're working for a company that's now truly engaged in evil. And all of us have to decide. I actually think I was more able to speak up than a lot of people are. And I can't tell you, Bill, you know this. When I walk around and someone walks up to me and says, thank God for what you're saying. You're saying what I need to say, but I can't. And I realize that if all of us just insulate ourselves and don't take the hits, we're giving up the country. I think we can win the country. Now, I wouldn't have done this. It would have been a fool's errand if I thought America was over. I do not think America's over. Mm -hmm. I think we can win this battle. It's a coin flip. It's 50-50. You know, uh, we might lose it, but we're not going to lose it because we were too timid to speak up. I told my daughters the other day when we were talking about masks and mandated vaccines. And, you know, you know our daughters so well. We got to a couple of teenagers and uh, and the two older ones and I was sitting I, I around. love your daughter. <laughs> They're great. Right. They're awesome. Great. And I said, they said they were kind of, they were getting after me a little bit as daughters do with fathers. And I turned to them and I said, I will not live my life fearing death. I just won't do it. I never understood that as a younger person. Like, how do you have the bravery to run into war and to like you're, what your father did, put your life on the line. I'm not saying that's what I'm doing. But what I'm saying is you reach a point in life where it the alternative, right? Yes. To bondage, and what was the word you you said? Coercion. Yeah. To being a victim of that is simply unacceptable, and I won't be a victim of that. Or at least I'm going to go down kicking and screaming. Well, as as Bill know knows, the girls uh, could probably start a musical group, and maybe they could true. provide they for retirement. But they, uh, you know, but I I do have to say I think that part of it is our faith is very important to us. It's central to our lives. It's the way we deal with. Um, the pressure, the abuse, the, you know, the, the things changing in your life. If we did not have God in the center of it and faith, we know God will not abandon us because we have to do what God has asked us to do. It is our will. It is our vocation. Our vocation is to ensure that we keep, you know, keep up this fight for America. I promise that to my father. I know for my dad, uh, what he had to give up and sacrifice for us so that I could have a great life here in the U.S. of, you know, fulfill my potential, be happy, um, and and you know, come from nothing really to 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 build a life. But here this and raise wasn't my supposed kids. to be our life. No, our life was, was supposed to be cushy. Yes, yeah, so it was well connected. But that was my father's life. It should have been for my was father. Supposed was supposed to be, to be business was going great, and things. What you realize is that. 
our society can quickly fall apart. Mm -hmm. We are at a point right now at the critical junction that unless we push back, unless we start using these tactics of saying, you know, corporations, we're half the country. We're customers. We're employees. Knock it off. This is not your role. They believe it's social responsibility. We're saying that you're not listening to all sides of the party. You've got you've got to be involved in this fight and from the working. local levels and winning these local elections. We just saw in Dallas that you had two of these school board members win and they were opponents of critical race theory. Why? Because parents and Americans are waking up and saying right. no more. And if they came in to CNN and the left and social media all the time, they're going to, they, they will be missed. We will be a miserable society. And, and, that's what and we have let me to say avoid. one other thing you said, We've done this at great personal cost. And it, I will admit to you that it has been jolting to me as a human being. Like, I probably haven't handled it as well as I should have. It's been, you know, no, money shouldn't matter. I think you've handled I do, it beautifully. Money shouldn't matter no, no, as no, much no, as that, maybe it did to me. Yeah. But well, you know what I feel now? Can I be honest with you? I feel glorious. I feel like, despite having gone through all this, I feel like we're in the right fight. You know when you're doing what God wants you to do. You just know it. It's just something that kicks in. It's kicked in. And so if it means that we have a less nice house or an older car, who cares? Do you know what? Fighting what's going on in this society, that's what we need to do. That's what you believe in. That's what you believe in. And I think that there's enough people of goodwill to refound America. We're going to have to refound America because somewhere along the line, we lost her. I can't think of any better way to conclude this conversation. Well, that was kind of perfect. I didn't really that was mean perfect. That to happen. Okay. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do a second take here. But that was beautiful. Be... Why don't you see if you can top him? Because this was. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. We're out of time. Okay. We're, 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 we've obviously got a lot to be continued because we only touched about. We one did this sober. There wasn't an ounce of wine involved in this conversation. Then <laughs> that is really unusual for, well, for the that, quarantine club. You know, I for the viewers. Okay. This is a quarantine club. This is what we would talk about. You just got an insight to our our conversations. Like this is yeah, what we would always trying to solve these very difficult, complex problems in our society and what we can do to make a difference. And then we'd go shooting. Yeah, and then we'd go shooting. Um, but I do say, start your own quarantine club. Quarantines are That's over. That's a great idea. But start your own quarantine club. Find your like-minded people in your community. Build it. Talk about these issues that matter. Read about, you read the classics, read of, from the, our founding fathers, you know, learn about what ha could happen to America, how we can quickly lose America, but how we can also make sure that we protect it and save it and defend the Constitution. That's what we have to work on, I think, in all of our communities across the, uh, not only in the U.S., but across the globe. And so, but we are honored and thrilled Bill Walton, that you are joining CPAC now on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Please, please, please watch Bill Walton. You're going to love it. You're going to be smarter because of it, I tell you. I agree with that. Uh, and we're only going to keep growing this great channel to reach conservatives, not only here in America, but across the globe. Mercy slap, match slap. Okay, we're in. Let's go, Bill. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, I'm sure all three of us will be seeing you again soon. Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. 
and send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.